NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Adrian Ma. And I'm Darian Woods. Last week, trade groups that represent almost every bank in the country filed a lawsuit against banking regulators. And the claim centres around a law that's almost half a century old, which is aimed at addressing this country's history of housing discrimination. That law is called the Community Reinvestment Act, or CRA. And the reason banks are suing now is because for the first time in decades, the regulators in charge of enforcing the CRA decided that the way they've been doing things wasn't good enough. And it was time to make a change. Today on the show, the history of the government's explicitly racist housing policies and how that informs the bank's fight with the government today. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science in Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Back in the mid-1930s, during the Great Depression, the federal government was trying to think about a way to juice the economy. One big bold idea that it hatched was to set up a new agency that was dedicated to increasing access to home ownership. And this was called the Federal Housing Administration. And the idea was that the FHA would promote home ownership in part by encouraging banks to make loans. They felt like they had to do this because it was the Great Depression and banks were kind of afraid to make loans. So the FHA said, look, if you make these loans, we'll guarantee them. If a borrower defaults, we'll hold the bag for you. And by one measure, this policy was incredibly successful. With less risk on their plate, banks started making more home loans. Homeownership exploded, especially in the newly expanding, mostly white suburbs. But at the same time, the government was not trying to backstop just any loans. Financial institutions had encouragement from the federal government not to lend um, to majority-minority communities. Banks were empowered to decline loans from people of color. This is Mitria Spotzer. She's with the Center for Responsible Lending, which is an advocacy group focused on consumer finance. And she says that the FHA's reasoning was that these loans would be too risky for it to guarantee. It's very clear that some racist ideas went into the formulation of um, categorizing those neighborhoods as more risky. This is Jesse Van Tol, CEO of the National Community Reinvestment Coalition, a group that advocates for equitable housing policy. He says not only did the FHA discourage banks from lending in neighborhoods where mostly people of color lived, it also discouraged them from lending to black people or people of color who wanted to move to mostly white areas. 
So in particular, the underwriting manual of the FHA said, quote, incompatible racial groups should not be permitted to live in the same communities. These policies would later become known as redlining, and it's named after the series of government maps which shaded in red these communities that were deemed a high-risk investment. Banks and financial institutions would take in deposits um, from lots of communities, minority communities, um, lower-income communities, but they would lend disproportionately only to wealthy communities. Redlining reinforced the racial wealth gap. And it's one of the big reasons why homeownership rates for white Americans today is about 70 percent, while homeownership rates for black Americans is roughly 40 percent. Now, redlining was eventually outlawed by the passage of the Fair Housing Act in 1968. But almost a decade later, not much had changed. Discrimination persisted. Banks were still not doing much lending in communities of color. And that's where the Community Reinvestment Act of 1977 comes in. So the Community Reinvestment Act actually stems from a very simple proposition, which is that the people that you take in deposits from, you have an obligation to make sure that you're lending to all of them. When the Community Reinvestment Act was passed, Jesse says it was kind of an unusual law. There are lots of laws that say that you cannot do bad things. There are very few laws that say essentially you must do good things. Um, And CRA is constructed in that way. It says you have this affirmative obligation to invest in things like affordable housing, to invest in job creation, to lend to small businesses, um, to lend to people seeking to buy their first home. And the law says banks have these obligations wherever they take deposits. So basically, wherever they have physical branch locations or ATMs. You could say that the CRA was trying to address the effects of a racist policy without actually mentioning race. And this has actually been a long-time criticism a lot of housing advocates have of the law. And this is how it worked. The agencies in charge of enforcing the CRA, which included the Federal Reserve, would subject banks to these tests. Every few years, a bank examiner will look at a bank and assess how much lending is it doing in the areas that it serves. Are low and moderate income people getting loans? Is the bank investing in things like affordable housing? And after all that, the bank gets a rating. A rating of outstanding or satisfactory means that the bank passed. And a rating of needs improvement basically means that the bank failed. And while a failing grade doesn't mean like the bank gets shut down or anything like that, it could mean the regulators don't allow a bank to expand in the future. Now, Jesse says this is not a bad framework in theory, but there are two big problems with the CRA today. For one thing, there are not a lot of standard metrics to decide, does a bank fail or does it pass? And he says that sort of led to great inflation. Over time, more and more banks have gotten satisfactory and outstanding. In fact, 98% of banks um, under CRA get a passing grade today, and that hasn't always been true. Um, And when you dig into that 98%, some of them don't look like they're doing a great job. Jesse points to the fact that the Department of Justice recently settled with multiple banks after accusing them of discrimination. And yet, most of these very same banks passed their CRA exams. So Jesse argues that this shows the tests don't really work as well as they should. 
And the other problem with the CRA is that it hasn't kept up with the changing technology in the banking sector. For years now, people have been able to bank online, they've been able to deposit checks by phone, and even get loans without ever setting foot in a bank branch. And yet, the CRA still focuses on bank activity around physical locations and ATMs. Now, what's interesting here is that both consumer advocates and banks were in broad agreement about these problems. Both wanted to see regulators modernize their approach to the CRA. And after several years of working on new rules, federal regulators finalized those changes last October. Among those changes, more standardized metrics to assess whether banks are meeting their obligations. Also, new rules that assess banks' lending and community investment activities, regardless of whether it takes place near a branch. So, for example, let's say a bank only has branches in North Carolina. But they also make a lot of loans to people in California. Under the new rules, those California loans would be part of how regulators judge the banks under the CRA. And this is what triggered the lawsuit from the American Bankers Association and other industry groups. Now, the Bank Association declined our request for an interview. But in their lawsuit, they argue that regulators are overstepping their authority. And they say that the new rules could actually result in banks making fewer loans. And it could hurt the very people the CRA was meant to help. Mitria from the Center for Responsible Lending does not buy this argument. If I were being real, I think it's also hypocritical. I think what they wanted is they wanted to have their cake and they wanted to eat it too. This lawsuit was filed in federal court in Texas, which is known in the legal world for being business-friendly and regulator-hostile. And the banks are asking the courts to put the new CRA rules on hold until the litigation is resolved. And if the banks get their way on that, it might be years until this anti-redlining rule finally gets an update. This episode was produced by Corey Bridges with engineering by Neil Rauch. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Patty Hirsch edited this episode and Kate Cannon edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the American Cancer Society. By the end of this message, two people will be told they have cancer. Yes, every 15 seconds, someone is diagnosed with cancer. But by the end of this message, you could do something about it with your donation. A gift of any amount to the American Cancer Society can help those facing cancer get free rides to care or a free place to stay closer to treatment. Donate today at cancer.org.